Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Father, we thank you for your reckless love. Father, we're here today because you went after us. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your amazing presence, God. We thank you that we have this honor and this that we can be called the children of God. What a, an amazing honor. And so we love you today, and we thank you, Father, that we're going to leave here changed today, God, that you're going to minister to us, you're going to minister to our hearts, oh God, as only you can, Father. And we glorify you today in Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good to see everyone. Hey, brother. All right. Well, we have a... How many are enjoying their summer so far? It's almost over. Those of you who have kids are excited because they're going back to school soon, right? Amen. Good stuff. God is good. So, yeah, last week, how many heard my message last week? And what I, I talked a little bit about obedience to God, and I shared my message uh, around the fact that we were in Kingston, we planted a church, and the Lord spoke to us concerning co- coming and supporting Cameron and Sandra. So I shared that testimony uh, last week and how God blessed us when we said yes to God and we did what he told us to do and came and served them and there was a blessing that came and they, they, they have been just incredible friends for how long have we been friends now 20 years we've been friends so great great friendship and I trust the both of them got a great word both of them have a great word in their spirits and have an amazing church they love God like we do and it's awesome so I want to just welcome you to come and share the word Pastor Cameron let's give him a hand as he comes Good morning. Good morning. Um, we're excited to be here and uh, share. I just wanted to maybe just introduce my beautiful wife, Sandra, um, and she can just kind of let you know a little bit about our family and about our church, and then I'm going to, I'll take off from there. Well, good morning, everyone. Awesome to be with you guys. For those of you who don't know us, um, uh, we are from, well, we're in Kingston. I've been there 11 years. We went there to start Impact Church uh, that uh, Travis, Pastor Travis and Camilla were part of um, before they came here. It's awesome. We have five children. Um, you'll recognize a couple of the names because our oldest that played the drums is Josiah, and then we have Hannah. Um, I know we kind of, it's, it's corny that we did that as families, but we did. Um, and then we have uh, Caleb, Grace, and Abigail that are upstairs. And uh, uh, we just want to bring you greetings from Kingston. Um, we always love you guys. We think of you often, and uh, it's a privilege to serve God together no matter where we are. We can, uh, we can love God, we can serve God, and we can believe God for our communities to come to know him. So thanks for having us. Awesome. So I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to just jump right in this morning, and it's so awesome to see Terry and Kathy again. It's been too long. So next time we come down, we're going to work at a time so we can hook up. Yeah, they are amazing. We've known them for almost 20 years as well. Uh, met them back in 2000 at Oshawa Community Church, which is where we actually planted out of um, almost 12 years ago. So it's hard to imagine it's been that long. Um, and we planted a church in Kingston. And uh, I don't know if any of you have heard a bit of our story, but when we started our church, we actually started in the movie theater. So I don't know if you've ever thought about doing church in a the movie theater, but I can talk you out of it in less than 30 seconds. That's all I have to say. Uh, no, it was a, a great blessing for us to have that partnership, but um, we recognized very quickly 
that there's a spiritual battle in that place. And uh, we could always tell every Sunday morning we came in which movie played in that, in that theater the night before. We didn't even have to look at the sign on the front of the, uh, of the theater, Theater 6, where we were. We just knew. Um, and now we're actually in a school. So keep praying for us because we're actually looking to be permanent uh, in a location somewhere. Um, and it's been 11 years now being portable. So every week we set up and tear down everything. Chairs, the whole uh, sound system, our drums, our keyboards, our kids' program, our kids' classes, our welcome center. Everything's portable. And thankfully, we've got a lot of really talented people that have been able to figure out how to make it really, really easy and smooth. Um, so we've been able to perfect that. But uh, anyway, just saying all that to say I love the journey that God has us on. But you know what I'm really excited about? I'm excited about the journey that God has at the Crossroads Church on. And we have the privilege of tracking along with what God's doing here. We hear about it often. And so I just wanted to say this morning that we are blessed to be friends. But beyond that, we're blessed to be in partnership as churches. Um, How many know that having brothers and sisters, not just individually, but as churches, is important? We can strengthen one another. We can encourage one another. We can remind each other to keep going no matter the hard times or the great times and everything in between. How many have ever gone through those things? Amen. So I want to bring a word to you this morning that is actually fairly simple, um, but it's incredibly profound. And I believe that um, if you get a hold of this one phrase that I'm going to repeat many times this morning, uh, my heart and my prayer this morning is that you would not only take it to heart, but that it would become an anthem for your spiritual growth. It would be something that would absolutely revolutionize how you view God, how you view your own journey with God, and most importantly, how you view your future with God. And so I'm just going to open up in a word of prayer, and then I'm going to just jump right in. Father, we're grateful this morning for the opportunity to come before you again. God, I'm grateful that your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are here. So Father, we are grateful that we are here with you, that you are here with us, and we make a decision right now not physically, but spiritually speaking, Lord, we roll out the red carpet for you to come and to move and to speak and to touch hearts, to transform lives and to heal and deliver. Father, that is our heart's cry this morning. God, we give you praise for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to start you off with an easy question, and, and I, I believe in audience participation. So if there isn't a response, you may be a, um, you know, an illustration up at the front here with me later. I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. How many have ever struggled with what I call the battle within? That internal battle that has two different voices going back and forth in your mind saying, oh, I should do that. Oh, no, probably God wants me to do this. Or I don't know how to deal with this. And God probably wants me to do it like that, but I'm feeling like I should do it like that. How many have ever had that struggle in your life? And I think the one conclusion that we've come to as pastors is that it is a, 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 a perfect, absolutely perfect test that every single person we've ever run into has ever faced. I like to call it the battle within. You can call it the internal battle. Um, It's the uh, battle that rages on inside of us every single time that we make a decision. Where we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
And what God ultimately wants to do for every believer and for us this morning is to solidify our foundation in Him so much so that we ask the right questions before we ever make a decision. And in the end, make a wise decision that will lead to our blessing and to our goodness in God. I don't know about you, but I've had many times where I've struggled between peace and worry. How many have had that? All right. There's times where I've struggled between forgiveness and accusation. How many have ever done that? Put put up your hand. All right. How many have ever struggled between kindness and jealousy? How many have ever struggled between the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs? There is no struggle whatsoever. We all know that Toronto is God's team. Revelation chapter 22 says it's the leaves of the trees that are for the healing of the nations. I just believe it. Come on. I just, can I get a witness? No, I'm kidding. All right, I won't do that. Um, but I want to just track through some scriptures this morning and, I, and bring to light a very, very simple thought. And it's so simple, it's absolutely ridiculous how simple it is this morning. But I want you to have this stick. I want this to stick so bad. This is a situation, this is a phrase that, that I heard about 10 years ago, and it has stuck with me every single day since. It helps define me, it helps to reframe certain things for me, it helps me make decisions and things that I do. And so it's this simple phrase, and I want you to repeat after me. Don't say don't. Don't That was pathetic. All right, Trenton, come on, let's go. Don't say don't. Don't Say help. Don't say don't. Say help. One more time. Don't say don't. Say help. I'm going to prove it to you. Do not look at my water bottle. You can, see, you can see people's eyes. I don't want to look. I'm going to prove to you later on why this is such an incredibly simple but profound statement. I'm going to read, starting in Galatians chapter 5 this morning. And I'm going to use the New Living Translation, if that's all right with you. It says, the sinful nature, in verse 17, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. I don't know about you. I can relate. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And again, we all have a story where that's absolutely true in our lives. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. There is a battle between both of these thoughts all the time. And the moment you think, if I can just be really, really transparent with you this morning, as I've grown in my faith, there was one moment in my life where I came to the conclusion, if I just loved God enough, I would have no problems. If I just prayed enough, if I just worshiped God enough, if I just read my Bible enough, that all the problems would disappear and my life would be easy. And how many still believe that? Don't put up your hand. Okay. But there are days where I kind of go to God. I go, God, can you just please make life easier? Can you just like take away all of this other stuff? And I want you to know That the way God functions is he doesn't want you just to have an easy life because then you'll never depend on him. But what he wants you to do is to go through every situation in life completely dependent upon him so that you can get through every situation. There's two forces constantly fighting each other. They're like oil and water. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. How many have ever in your life judged someone else by their actions and yourself by your intentions? Do not put up your hand. Hmm, yes, I know we've all done it. We've all done it. Some of us struggle with that. I know that was a pattern of my life. 
But I want to go on in verse 19 here. And I want you to read, uh, just track with me on this one. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. I'm going to read this list. This is a great list to scare your young children with. I'm kidding. Sexual immorality. That's a great one to start with five-year-olds. They, no, I'm kidding. All right. I like to have fun. Are we good here this morning? Okay, we're good. All right. So here's the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He goes on and he contrasts this with the fruit of the Spirit. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. No law. I want, to, I want you to know this morning that your weakness does not define you. How many are grateful for that? Your identity is not in your weakness. You are a child of God. Your identity is in Christ. We always do this fun thing with uh, some of the people in Kingston. We say, how many are saints here? And they're, and they're looking at us like, well, if I put up my hand, it looks arrogant. But if I don't put up my hand, I may be wrong, and that's not good either. So I don't want to. So I have a question for you here this morning. How many are saints of God? Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says you are a saint. That's what the Bible says. But this passage of Scripture, interestingly enough, contrasts the sinful nature of our flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. But just remember, no matter where you're at in your life and no matter what you're going through, your weakness does not define you. It doesn't. And because it doesn't define you, it also hasn't, doesn't have to dictate to you what your future is going to be, if you believe it. Amen? So I'm going to explain to you two pains that I have personally experienced in my life. And um, they're always there. They never go away. One is the pain of discipline. One is the pain of regret. The problem with regret is it never feels like it's healed. It always lingers. It always is speaking. It's always chirping. It loves to retweet anything that you can remember from years ago and remind you of things that you were supposedly healed of years ago. But what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is to not apply the pain of regret in our life, but to actually apply the pain of discipline in our life. How many know that discipline is painful, but in the end, it's powerful? Amen? So my, my hope and prayer is that this simple phrase, don't say, don't say, help, becomes the pain of discipline in your life. Okay? Jesus provided a way to overcome every internal battle that you have, every moment of every day of your life. He's provided a way. I love John chapter 16, verse 7. It says, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I love Jesus's description of the Holy Spirit, that he is leaving on the earth. He calls him the helper. I don't know if you've ever thought about these things, but I love how God ties all of these different dynamics, Old Testament and New Testament, together. In the Old Testament, at the very beginning of time, after God created the heavens and the earth, and 
every day was established, and it was, you know, the, the light in the, in the star, and the water, and the animals, and all these different things, and created humankind. And then he looked at humanity, and he looked at mankind in particular, and said, for the first time in history, something wasn't good. Something is not good. I need to correct it. I need to change it. I need to make it better. And that description was that the first institution that he ever created, marriage, Adam was missing somebody. He was missing Eve. And interestingly enough, in the Hebrew, it actually says that she's the helper, the helpmate. How many have ever, men, I have a serious question for you. How many have ever felt like God's voice sounds a lot like your wife's? How many wish it didn't? Okay, but don't put your hand up. I always say it like this. It's amazing to me how much God's voice sounds like Sandra's. I don't understand it, but God uses that whole pattern too many times. But I want you to understand that when he was looking at your life after he died and rose again, and he started to think through the same pattern that they developed in the very beginning of time, that there's a helper, a helpmate that is coming to be with you, to strengthen you, to help you through every situation. It's the same pattern he repeats in the New Testament. And he says, I'm going to send a helper, a helpmate. His name's the Holy Spirit. He's there to empower you. He's there to equip you. He's there to comfort you. He's there to be with you. He's there to help you through every single situation. The Apostle Paul is just loaded with thoughts around this battle and how the Holy Spirit helps in this battle. And I want to read to you Romans chapter 6, one of the most distressing chapters in the entire book of Romans. Because <laughs> you read it and you're like, you get depressed by the end of it if you don't see the heart of God in it. He says this in verse 12. He says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. In other words, he's warning the church here, not just of sin, but of the power of sin. How many know that it's not, it's not just the act of sin, it is the power of sin that is in effect all around us. I don't know if you guys have looked at your news feeds on your phone anytime lately in the last couple of days, but you just turn your news feeds on or you look at the news and you go, wow, we have a very messed up world. Sin is running rampant everywhere. So it's all around us. And I think Paul in some ways saw this. It goes on in verse 13. It says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. That word completely mean, in, means it's in entirety, undivided, uncompromised. That's what it means. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And I'm so grateful he doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 14 and he says this. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So this inward battle, if we can kind of pare it down to one thought, the inward battle is actually the determination of who your master is. Who are you serving? Who are you responding to? Who are you listening to? Because when we respond and listen to the things of the enemy, we're actually declaring that he's our master. But when we respond to the things of the Holy Spirit, we're saying, Holy Spirit, you're my master. I'm responding to your voice, to your heart in this situation. goes on in, in verse 15. It says, well, then, since God's grace, aren't you grateful for God's grace? <laughs> since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? It goes, of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, 
or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So this is huge. You become the slave of whatever or whoever you choose to obey. I can say from my own life, um, I actually have an addictive personality, and my kind of long line of family background has an addictive personality, and so addiction actually runs in our family. Um, I've dealt with my own struggles and versions of that, um, and my family struggled with their own versions of that. It's different for each of us. It seems to be that no one repeats it, but there's different addictions in our personality, and one of the re- things that I came to about 20 years ago was that I have a natural draw to whatever that next thing is. And it scared me. And I looked at it and went, like, Cameron, you're never content. You can never just relax. You can never just slow down. You can never just settle into the plan and purpose of God. It was always the next, the next, the next. And what I've realized in my life is some of the worst decisions I've ever made in my life is because I was never content with the lessons God was teaching me in this season. So I was always looking for the next season. God, what's the next thing? And I realized that my battle was different than some other people. I wasn't necessarily dealing with addictions like drugs and things like that. I wasn't dealing with some of those other stuff. But what I was dealing with was this internal battle of self-satisfaction. What was gratifying my own desire? What was making me content? What was making me happy? And I started to realize that it was the next thing. And that could have been anything. But it was the next thing that made me happy. And I would say, God made me happy. And I would say, well, the Holy Spirit's in my life, and he's teaching me and showing me, and everything's awesome. You know, like the Lego movie song, everything is awesome. But I realized it wasn't true. I realized that I had actually indicated with my life and my choices and my decision-making that it's the next thing that is more important to me than God who's right in front of me. It's going to be different for each of you. But we're going to overcome it together this morning. Amen? So what do you choose to obey? Verse 17 says, Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you've become slaves to righteous living. Verse 19, it says, Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using this illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. And now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you'll become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. Verse 21. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. I can honestly say from my own life, I'm ashamed of some of the things I used to do. Things that at one point in my life would have led towards what this verse says, eternal doom. But verse 22 comes, and I'm so grateful for this verse. But now you're free from the power of sin. You're, You're free from that internal battle. And it becomes slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Remember that we will become a slave to whatever we choose to obey. I don't know if you remember the the list of the fruit of the Spirit there in Galatians chapter 5, but it's a powerful list. It talks about love, and it talks about joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And it ends with this one thought. It says, but there is no law against these things. There's no law. So why do we struggle with this thing that I call the internal battle, that battle within? Why do we struggle 
Why is there always this inward battle that is raging and fighting against us? Well, I'm going to share very briefly, I hope this hits home, this one basic thought about our theme phrase this morning. Don't say don't, say help. It's a simple thought. It's a basic thought. But my hope and prayer this morning is that as I share some of the details around this thought, that it will transform the way you think, the way you make decisions, the way you view God, the way you view your own life in light of God's call on your life, and the way that you live your life every single day. Galatians 5.16 says this. I don't know, uh, Pastor Travis, if you've ever had this thing where sometimes we get trapped into this, you know, uh, answer 12B, and we just throw it out. You know that pastoral answer that answers everything? You know what I'm saying? Pastors don't have that. Of course not. We don't have that. Never. No. And you know, one of the most frustrating responses that I've ever gotten from a pastor in my life about struggles that I was going through is, just live by the Spirit. And I'm like, duh, yeah. How do you do that? How do you live by the Spirit? And then you get these really, really deep theological answers about how to live by the Spirit. And you get to the end of it and you're like, I have no idea what the guy just said. I have no clue what he's just saying. You know? What do we do with that? And so here's the thing that I've realized is pastoring is some ways tough because the answer is that answer, but it's not the answer anyone wants to hear when they're going through a hard time. If we're being honest, they want to hear something else. They want to hear, well, Jesus is going to set you free instantly. Oh, you know, that's what you want to hear. If you just go talk to Pastor Travis, he'll pray for you and everything will be done. And you're like, yeah, no pressure. You have to have all the answers all the time, 24-7. If he doesn't, then he does the next best thing is talk to Peter. <laughs> and if Peter doesn't have it, Anita, you're on. Like you, if, you don't, if you don't have the answer at that moment, this is not good. We go through the same thing. How do you get people to see that the answer is right in front of them and it is to walk in the Spirit or to be led by the Spirit? How do we do that? Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not, what? Gratify the sinful nature. Okay? You will not gratify those desires of the sinful nature. So, here's the idea for today. Don't say don't. Say help. Say it after me again. Don't say don't. Say help. All right, that's good. So, why should we not say don't? And I'm going to tell you why. Because the moment... That you say don't, it actually stirs up the evil desire within you to do it. I don't know if you've any, read any Parenting 101 books. The moment you say to your child, don't do that, there's this little thing that stirs up inside of them and says, I'm just going to do it anyway, and I'm going to do it so they don't see. But I'll never, no one will ever know that I did it, and then I'm going to hide all the evidence of it in my room so no one will ever know. The reality is, is the moment you say don't, it automatically stirs up the thought in you. Right? Can I illustrate this morning with a very, very simple illustration that I love? Um, let's just hypothetically say that you walk to work, okay, because you want to stay in good shape and you want to discipline yourself and, you know, and, and, and instead of driving that 1.8 kilometer uh, drive to work, you're actually going to walk that 1.8 kilometer drive to work um, and that's just awesome. And every single day you walk to work, there's this one section 
that you walk by that's just got this lined fence that's about 8 to 10 feet tall, and it's right up against the sidewalk, so you can never see what's on the other side, ever. And every day that you go by that, that fence, you always ask yourself, well, I wonder what's on the other side. I hear things over there but I don't know what's on the other side. They're, they've literally got it fenced off all the way around. The only way I could ever see it is if I got a ladder higher than 10 feet to go up over top, or if I borrowed some friend's helicopter, that'd be another way. But I don't have a friend that has a helicopter. I don't know if you do. I don't. But there's always this kind of thing. Every day, every day you walk by, and every day you walk home, you see this fence. So I want you to picture with me for a moment that you're walking by this fence again. You're on your way to work. And for the first time in history, the fence doesn't quite look the same as it normally does. Because right in the middle of the fence, about your height, there's now a little circle that's been cut out about yay big inside the fence with a sign over top saying, under no circumstances look through this hole. Don't do it. It's bad. Don't, 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 don't look through the hole. And if we're all being honest, there's something inside of us that's saying, I, I gotta look through this hole. But then there's other questions that actually probably come up that you think of. First question is, is who put the hole there? Why did they put the hole there? Why did they put that sign over top of the hole that says specifically, do not, under no circumstance, look through the hole? Why? And then you get even worse with your thoughts, and you start thinking to me yourself, who in the world are they to tell me what to look at and what not to look at? Do you know that I have the right to look at whatever I want to, whenever I want to, right? And as you're getting closer to this hole, you hear this voice faint in the background. Twelve, twelve, twelve. And you're like, what in the world's going on? And then curiosity overwhelms you. And you, you lean down, close your left eye, and you look through the hole, and somebody on the other side pokes you right in the eye. And then you hear, 13, 13, 13. Because I'm going to tell you something here this morning. The moment you live your life based upon a don't, you actually stir up the desire within you to do what you're not supposed to do. Too many of us, live our Christian walks with don't. And I'm not going to leave it there, so don't get me. I can see some eyes like, well, where's it going to go? Where's it going with this? This is a heresy. <laughs> you know? No, I'm going to explain this so that you get it. Okay? I'm going to explain it. Because this is incredibly important. This was life-altering for me when I heard this a number of years ago. Okay? When somebody says, don't, the internal voice says, yeah, watch me what we do okay so this word don't produces two very basic things and neither of them are going to help you in your walk with God number one it creates a desire within you to strive for perfection or to strive for right living and the problem is is striving is not freedom it's not the second thing is this that it increases a desire within your heart to do what is wrong. So we have striving, and we have an increase in desire to do something is wrong. Either one, neither one is good, okay? I want to read Romans 7, 7. 
That's the simple question for us today is, well, what do we do then? Verse 7, it says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would have not known what sin was except through the law, for I would have not, uh, so I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. So we're grateful for the law. The law is good because it lets us know that something is wrong. How many are grateful as parents that you have a list of laws that you can help your kids understand because it's telling them something that is wrong? It goes on in verse 8 and 9. It says, But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead. And once I was alive apart from law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang forth. And one version says, sin sprang to life, and I died. So why do we not say don't? Because the moment you do, the opposite of what you want springs to life in your heart. The opposite of what you want springs to life in your mind. And you start tracking down a thought pattern which ultimately leads to a decision pattern that's actually not going to help. But what does God want us to do? He wants us to say help. That's it. Don't say don't. Say help. The Holy Spirit was sent as your helper. I don't know about you, but it absolutely melts my heart when my kids come and ask me for help as a dad. How much more your Heavenly Father when you ask Him for help? Think about this. The moment you say don't, it stirs up a desire. That thing springs to life. You start thinking about these things, and you start rehashing things in your mind and in your head, and you start thinking about it. You start debating it. Then you struggle between peace and worry, peace and worry, peace and worry, peace and worry, and you don't know where you end up, and then you ultimately end up making decisions in a place of worry and not in a place of peace. And then once that decision's made, now we're starting the, you know, the snowball effect where the next decision is based out of worry. And then the next decision's based out of worry. And what God wants you to do is to simply change how you view everything and to stop saying don't and simply say help. Don't say don't. Say help. That's it. Holy Spirit, help me. I'm a mess, Holy Spirit. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me to overcome my pride with humility. Help me to overcome these patterns with your love. Help me to have self-control in the areas that I'm weak. Some people have come to me over the last number of years and said, well, what about wisdom and what about healthy boundaries? And my response to that is absolutely. But can I do, if I can be really, really blunt this morning, you know what? When you're in your girlfriend's room after midnight and you haven't left yet, um, help's not going to do anything there. You, you can yell help all day long. Help won't help, uh, help at that particular moment. And not even saying don't won't help because you're way too far gone at that moment. So I want you to understand, we've got to back up the truck and prepare ourselves for every situation by not creating a list uh, necessarily that rules our lives, but that we track with what God wants to do, okay? We need to say, help. Now, I'm grateful that we have the Ten Commandments. It's a great list. It's God's top ten list. It's awesome. We should absolutely live our lives by that list. Amen? 
But unfortunately, we are dealing with a culture today where many people have left church because of the don'ts, not because of the do's, right? And I think, if I'm being honest, I think some of them have a legitimate concern. Because what we do is if we're creating everything about our love relationship with God based upon a list rather than on the help of a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I think it's dangerous. The list is essential. Why? Because it defines truth. How many know that we need truth? How many know we need that? But definition only appeals to one's mind. Right? Help is essential for determining our motivation. And motivation appeals to one's heart. Definition's good. Truth is amazing. The Bible says truth sets us free. But if our motivation is a list of don'ts, I would argue with you that it's actually in the end only going to create greater issue in your life than it is help. There's a description of the New Testament church in Acts chapter 4. I don't have the verse with me, so guys, don't worry about it back there. But in Acts chapter 4, it actually describes the picture of the New Testament church. And in order to kind of capture it in one thought or in one phrase, the, uh, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, describes the New Testament church like this. And I believe it's somewhere, somewhere like 32 to 36, somewhere in there. And it says, and there was great grace upon them all. Great grace. Not just grace. Great grace. The moment we say help, we're actually positioning ourselves for grace. What's grace? The divine enablement to do something that you cannot do. Oh, but I'm struggling with this temptation. Well, don't say don't. Say help. Why? Because grace comes. What does grace do? Helps you overcome it. How does he do that? I have no idea. (laughs) You know, sometimes you read the Bible and you go, how does the Holy Spirit do that? I don't know. But he does it. The moment we position ourselves to be helped by him. Every single time that we say help, we acknowledge our dependence upon Heavenly Father. Every single time we say help, we disarm the power of pride that wants to work in and through our lives. Every single time that we say help, we develop what I call a teachable spirit. A spirit that says, I don't have it all figured out, God. I don't know what I'm doing. But you do. And I trust you to run my life in a way that is far better than I ever could. I trust you. We've learned this in our parenting journey. And I don't think we're perfect parents by any stretch of the imagination. Sandra, of course, is. I'm still working on it. Um, But one thought that we've landed on is this idea in parenting that you want to teach your children how to love what is right more than fear what is wrong. And it's a challenge. I'll be honest with you. In today's culture, it's a challenge. But our desire is to help them be excited about what is right rather than fear what is wrong. And as parents, we've had to land on some don'ts because they're giving definition. But the motivation that we want to give them to live the right way and to live in an honorable way towards God cannot be the list. Because if that's all that's there, then what happens if they're in a situation in their life and the list isn't present and now they have to rely on what's inside? (laughs) 
then what? What do we do? I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you to ask the Lord just a couple of really, really quick questions. Just right where you're standing. I want you to ask Him this morning that if you're honestly more comfortable with religion than relationship, I want you to ask Him this morning if you're more comfortable trying to do things on your own. Or that you're going to trust Him in the journey. I want you to ask Him this morning a very simple thought. If I'm stuck, Holy Spirit, and I cry out for help, will you be there for me? And as I've been thinking about this message this week and pondering it, kind of the thought that kept coming back to me was, I feel like some of you want to ask God for help, want to ask the Holy Spirit to help, but actually feel like you've tried that before and it didn't work. And I feel like God wants to just heal you of whatever that pain is. What we're going to do this morning is very, very simple. We're going to open these altars. I know Pastor Travis has already explained to me that you guys have a prayer team. I'm going to invite your, that prayer team to come up at this time. But if you're here this morning and, and a part of this message has struck a chord in you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. If you're in the midst of a battle, a battle within that you just don't know what to do with, I want to encourage you before you leave this morning to come and to get prayer. This team would love to be able to pray with you, to encourage you, to inspire you, to live in such a way that you depend upon the Holy Spirit for everything in your life. I'm just going to say a prayer, and then we're just going to sing and open the altars for prayer this morning. Um, and I want to encourage you, do not leave this morning without dealing with whatever the Holy Spirit is dealing with in your life today. Father, we're grateful this morning that when we cry out for help, great grace is there. God, that when we cry out for help, you're not going to leave us, you're not going to forsake us, but Lord, you are there the moment we cry out. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you would come and that you would move in each and every heart and every mind and every life. Lord, that they would see this morning that you are a good God who gives good gifts to your children, that your desire, Lord, is the same as it was 2,000 years ago. As he looked at his disciples, struggling with the idea that you were leaving, and he said, it's okay, because I'm leaving somebody called the Helper, and he's there for you every single moment of every single day. Father, we make a decision this morning to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to help Whatever the issue is, you already know it. But Lord, we come in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Bless you this morning. Wasn't that a great word this morning? Amen. And you know, just as, just as um, I was sitting there, I heard... I heard a voice. I heard the Lord say to me, my house shall be a house of prayer. And you know, in church, we get good preaching. That was a great message. We have time of worship. But there's nothing to be ashamed of if you just say, hey, there's people up here 
that have been praying and getting ready to meet with you to say, I'm going to come and they're going to join forces and we're going to pray. Uh, because you know what? If there's pride in our lives, if we put it aside, we make space for grace. And so if you're feeling, and this is no pressure, but if you're really feeling in your heart, I want to come up and get prayer, obey that because God will meet you. That's an act of faith. So come for prayer. And aside from that, our service is done. And I want to bless you guys um, this week. Have a, an amazing week. Lord, I pray for a blessing over this congregation. I pray for the families. I pray for the children. I think that this is a year where the backsliders will come home. We're believing you for that. And we're agreeing for that in Jesus' name. And so that if you're here and God's just speaking in your heart, I just want you to come up now. Just come up. We have a prayer team here that wants to pray with you and receive prayer today. And um, other than that, be blessed. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.